Welcome to Hub and Flow, a podcast produced by Natural Gas Intelligence. On a mission to provide transparency to the natural gas market, Hub and Flow focuses on key fundamentals driving the price of natural gas and LNG in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Natural Gas Intelligence, or NGI, is a subscription based price reporting agency, which means we provide trusted and independent natural gas pricing and news for the North American market. Hi, this is Matthew Beasley, Associate Editor with Natural Gas Intelligence, a natural gas and LNG news and price reporting agency focused on North America. Thanks for joining me for another episode of NGI's Hub and Flow podcast. Citing evolving cybersecurity threats, the Federal Transportation Security Administration, or TSA, revised and reissued its cybersecurity requirements for natural gas and oil pipeline owners and operators. The TSA action requires pipeline owners and operators to establish a cybersecurity implementation plan, develop an incident response plan, and put in place a long-term program to proactively test and audit their cybersecurity measures. To provide some additional perspective on what this all means for oil and gas pipelines nationwide, we've invited Emily Malin, a Washington, D.C.-based pipeline regulatory attorney in the energy practice of the global law firm Sidley Austin, LLP. Emily, thank you for joining us today. Uh, thank you for having me, Matthew. I'm really happy to be here. Well, I'd like to start our conversation with a bit of background about cybersecurity, specifically with regard to pipelines. What are some types of cybersecurity threats that pipeline companies face? So I always think about in terms of what are the types of threat actors that a company needs to be aware of. And I think it falls into three primary buckets. So when oftentimes when we think about cybersecurity threats, we think about terrorism. So the threat that a terrorist organization would would create would be to the operational elements of the system that could result in, say, property damage or casualty events. The other type of threat actor we often think about are rogue nation states like like Russia, and we think about discord North Korea, and we think about disruption to the energy supply chain or a mischief that a rogue nation state or its proxies could cause that would create mischief or breakdown of, of a system, impact supply chains, have a disruption to the economy. And then we think about criminal gangs, and their goal might be hit money, so ransomware attacks or things they could do to to cause your system to be frozen so you you have to pay them in order to have access back to your system. So I think about the threats that pipelines face in that way. You know, I think about, okay, does your individual system and who are your customers? Are you uh, the only pipeline that's bringing jet fuel to Chicago O'Hare? Are you a gas distribution company in the upper Midwest where the winters get really cold and disruption to service could be, you know, very disruptive to your customers. You could have obligations to your public utility commission. Does your system run adjacent to municipal water supply source where, you know, a spill into that water supply could prevent water from being accessed by people in, in the community? So there's all different types of threats, and you have to think creatively about the damage that could be caused and who who would want to cause that damage. And also the specifics of your system when you think about the threats. I mean, certainly it, it runs the gamut. Okay. Now, with cybersecurity being such a broad term uh, that can affect a multitude of parties, what are some of the legal ramifications that a pipeline company could face? 
specifically a pipeline company if it fails to fall, it falls victim to a cyber attack. Right. Well, the newest threat that didn't exist a year plus ago is threats of enforcement action by and civil penalties from the TSA, the Transportation Security Administration, which issued the security directives last month and then issued them earlier last year following the ransomware attack by Colonial Pipeline. So there were no mandatory cybersecurity regulations impacting pipelines a year and a half ago. So now there's a new enforcement scheme and potential civil penalties that pipeline companies need to be aware of. But separate and apart from that, whenever you have an incident that's going to disrupt service, you have to think about shareholder litigation. You have to think about commercial litigation. We know that Colonial, there were a number of class action lawsuits against the pipeline for you know, this theory of attenuated liability when you had customers like gas stations that couldn't serve their customers and therefore lost a lot of money. I think recently some of those cases were dismissed. I don't know if there are any that remain outstanding, but even if you win a case, you've still got to deal with all of the litigation expense and discovery that's associated with with that type of case. And then something that was really piqued my interest as a regulatory attorney with Colonial Pipeline is we recently saw a FIMSA enforcement action of almost a million dollars that the FIMSA, which is, I apologize, I talk in acronyms, but FIMSA is the Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Safety Administration. Mm -hmm. It's another agency within the U.S. Department of Transportation. It regulates pipeline safety. And so they've issued uh, potential initiated a potential enforcement action against Colonial related to an audit that FIMSA did, kind of unrelated to the ransomware attack, but tying their findings to potential future ransomware attacks and how potentially the pipeline, if they had followed their rules as they alleged they should have followed them, then maybe they would have had a cybersecurity attack. So we're seeing kind of these follow-on actions as well by other regulators using other enforcement schemes. So definitely things to, to be thinking about if you're concerned about legal ramifications as a pipeline company. As a pipeline regulatory attorney, what stands out to you about the updated TSA cybersecurity regulations for pipeline companies? So as a regulatory attorney, I'm always mindful of enforcement risk. When you've got new regulations, you have new enforcement risk. So a regulated company needs to think about how their actions, which may be perfectly appropriate under one regulatory scheme, could result in a different outcome or different obligations under another regulatory scheme and kind of be able to see the bigger picture and put them all together. And that I think that FIMSA example that I just gave it really illustrates this, that, yes, obviously, pipeline safety are we thinking about how we're going to be enforced against our pipeline safety under pipeline safety scheme when we're having cybersecurity incidents and trying to think through all of your different obligations under the different regulations and statutes that govern your system and how they work together. You know, when I was reading the, the latest security directive that was published at the end of July and I had read earlier drafts of it on behalf of clients, one thing that struck me was this discussion that if you are, you have to put together these cybersecurity implementation plans, as I think you noted in your introduction. And apparently, if you have a change in ownership or control of operations, you need to go to the TSA for permission to amend your plan. So does that mean if you're 
doing an M&A transaction and there's a larger deal team that's in place that's trying to restructure your organization, does the TSA get a say in whether you can restructure or whether you can sell your assets? To me, it suggests maybe it does. Whereas, for example, if you're a regulated interstate natural gas pipeline, the FERC doesn't really get a say if there's a change in the equity ownership of your pipeline. Suddenly now does the TSA get a say? So I think we always want to think about what are the different regulations and regulatory schemes and what are they trying to accomplish? And sometimes are those at cross purposes or are we having to just think about all the different ways that one action could be addressed under different regulatory schemes? Like, for example, if you're a gas pipeline and let's say you have a cybersecurity incident and you have to shut down your system, right? And let's say that cybersecurity incident resulted in a release of natural gas. So now you've got FIMSA enforcement, potentially, because perhaps there's a a pipeline safety issue. You've got FERC activity, because maybe this impacts your certificate to operate, and maybe you need a temporary certificate from FERC in order to restart operations. Maybe you've got reliability concerns where FERC could play a role. And then you've also now got the TSA regulations. Or maybe you are a gas distribution company, and now you've got public your the Public Utility Commission also has decided that you haven't met your obligations to serve. And so maybe there's another layer of enforcement risk there. So certainly you always want to think about what the different statutes are, what the different regulatory schemes are, and how you can operate consistent with all of those. And this just creates another scheme that you now have to be thinking about. So that's, I mean, that's some of the stuff that stands out to me. Obviously, compared to a prior iteration, the version of the security directives that were just released by the TSA are are better. They're less prescriptive. There's more room for flexibility, but it's not limitless. There's still a lot of opportunity for enforcement activity against a pipeline if they're not complying with the letter of the security directive. So that's certainly stuff to think about. Okay. And just kind of as a brief addendum to that, and, you know, you were, you were talking about the different regulatory schemes. Has it maybe been your experience that when different agencies are putting together different rules, kind of a, about a related topic, say dealing with pipelines, do they ever talk to each other and kind of try to get on the same page about things? Or Well, they should, but <laughs> agencies are all creatures of statute okay. in, in one respect. Mm-hmm. And so they can only, they only have the authority for what Congress. Mm-hmm. So the FERC, the Natural Gas Act, which is enforced by the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, at its heart is a consumer protection statute. And their concern is monopolistic behavior and protecting consumers from monopolists in, in, in many respects. Whereas the pipeline safety laws that, that FIMSA uh, is responsible for have a very different function. Whereas also now we have the, the TSA statutes and the regulations with these security directives also have a very different function. So they do talk to each other. We know that I'm not aware of any same memorandum of understanding between the TSA and FERC. Maybe someday there'll be one. Same way we've got memorandums of understanding between FIMSA and FERC when it comes to liquefied natural gas and um, U.S. Coast Guard. So there's definitely opportunities for agencies to coordinate. And I think one thing we're going to see more of is a need for that coordination because when you have a new set of rules that are now required and not voluntary. When I think of pipelines and I think about rate regulation and what that means, 
uh, in terms of redundancy. Now, do, do I have a, an obligation now to build twice as much pipeline as I ordinarily would build because I need to protect against a threat, a cybersecurity threat to an aspect of my system? I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. A regulator that's concerned about cost and not concerned about cybersecurity is going to have a different opinion about whether you need to build two systems. I mean, obviously, the Colonial Pipeline, it's not that easy to build a second liquids pipeline underneath Interstate 95. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I live on the East Coast. I know that would be impossible to do. Uh, but suddenly, do we need to start thinking about building in redundancies that other regulators in the past wouldn't have considered as appropriate or permissible under, you know, under their schemes? Okay. My final question regarding uh, TSA's revised cybersecurity requirements, what could compliance mean for new, for uh, how pipeline companies operate, uh, not to mention their customers and the broader U.S. energy landscape? Right. Well, I definitely think it's going to mean an increase in the visibility of these issues at the senior officer level. So we're going to see more cyber risk management at the board level for these companies. There's a hope that, you know, with more compliance, this is going to impact budget and spending on cyber. Compliance is going to impact uh, incident response, not necessarily always in a good way, because we want to make sure sometimes that we're responding in a way that makes the most sense and isn't necessarily the most compliant with regulations when you are trying to to deal with an issue in real time. Uh, We're going to see a lot more vendors in this space because we're going to see an increased need for tabletopping, uh, tabletop exercises, preparedness, disaster recovery planning, different types of of projects. So I I think certainly with this going to be more money spent in this area, more attention paid, potentially more more CEO compensation tied, you know, to these types of issues. And that's going to trickle down to consumers. Absolutely. And it's going to change how how the industry operates to some extent because you just have a new enforcement scheme that didn't exist before. Okay. Well, based on our conversation, it sounds like the U.S. oil and gas pipeline companies will be busy sorting out the changes associated with the TSA action. However, that's all the time we'll have today to discuss this evolving topic. Um, I'd like to thank our guest, Emily Malin, partner in the Emily Energy Practice, excuse me, with global law firm Sidley Austin LLP for taking the time to share your insights with us. Thank you for having me. And I'd also like to remind our listeners that you can read more about TSA's revamp mandate in the July 23rd NGA article by my colleague Leticia Gonzalez. TSA adds more stringent cybersecurity requirements for U.S. natural gas oil pipelines. You can find that article and links to related stories at NGI's website, www.naturalgasintel.com. This is NGI Associate Editor Matthew Bizet signing off. Thanks for listening. Dependable data drives informed business decisions. Trust NGI to provide your natural gas and LNG data for North America. If your business requires daily, weekly, or midweek pricing data, forward curves, or flow data, NGI has a reliable product suite to support you. Visit natgasintel.com backslash services to understand what we have to offer and how we can help you and your business today. Thank you for listening to NGI's Hub & Flow podcast today. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate, and review it 
and please do share it with your colleagues. A trusted provider of natural gas news, data, and pricing information for North America, NGI offers subscription-based products. Please visit natgasintel.com if you are interested in NGI and our services. If you would like to dive deeper into this subject, additional resources are available on our website as well. Just visit natgasintel.com and click on the resources tab to find the podcast page.